and welcome to Murder Dictionary Podcast. I'm Brianna, and over there is Courtney. Hello. So, we are back. We missed you. I hope you guys missed us. I think I you guys you. missed us. I missed you as well. We've just talked for long enough for you to tell me that you're losing your voice, so yeah. we should start recording. It's getting sore. <laughs> so, obviously, we missed each other. So we're back. We've got another Hitman story. And before we get to our very last letter H Hitman, let's get to some business. So you're going to find links to our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter in our show notes every week if you want to follow us over there and get some memes and true crime news and information and information about when the episodes are coming out. We also just dropped another Patreon episode. So definitely, if you're on our Patreon, go check that out if you're already a patron. And if you haven't, then the link to our Patreon is in the show notes. So definitely join our Patreon if you want bonus episodes and stuff. So we want to say thank you to a few new people that joined Patreon since the last episode. So thank you to Jessica, Aaron, Rachel, Elliot, Jamie, Heather, and then Robin and Brenda both increased their Patreon support. So thanks, you guys. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoy. Yeah, go check out that new episode. It was really fun. It's super weird. It was one of those ones where I was like, this could be a full episode. I've been talking about it with my girlfriend ever since then, since we recorded. I'm like, okay, now I'm thinking about it this way. And like, what about this? It's an insanity case. So there's a lot of interesting mental health stuff to look at. So definitely go check that out. It's insane. Yeah. So the other thing is, is we have a podcast editor that does our audio editing for us and all our production named Dimitri. And we wanted to say thank you to him. And he just launched a new website. So he has helped us out so much with IT issues, website stuff. There's just so many things that he does. But he definitely, if you need some audio support, some podcast editing, check out mypodcasthero.com. He's our fifth Beatle. He really is. Yeah. Thank you, Dimitri. (laughs) We couldn't do it without you. There's no way. No way at all. So thank you so much to him. And also, just if you guys need anything for audio, definitely check out mypodcasthero.com. Cool? Awesome. So with all that said, we are finishing up letter H for Hitmen today. Yep. You still got a voice for this? Yeah. No, totally. (laughs) I was just thinking, I'm like, God, who are our other Hitmen? And then, yeah, okay. Yeah. Charles Harrelson. Rivy. And Rivy. Yep. Cocaine Cowboys Rivy. So tonight, we're finishing it out with a killer a dentist. dentist. <laughs> ah, I'm so excited. And I've had so much dental work in the last like month or so. Yeah. It's been horrible. I'm not even done, but I got to get it all done. And so I think I might have to just, I don't know what I'm going to do when I go have to, to your go- happy place yeah. when you're there. <laughs> oh, you're God. officially scared of dentists. Yeah. So back when we were at letter D, Courtney really wanted to do killer dentists and I I vetoed it. I feel bad, so I've been trying to make up for it and do some dentists with different in different letters. So tonight the hitman happens to also be a dentist. It was the greatest thing that you ever did though, because it's now challenged both of us to, to go outside dentists. and find these killer dentists. And we have found so many that I think we've done more dentists. Like I, I was thinking the same anything thing. Else. Absolutely. I think this is the 
job that lately people are murdering. Yeah. Killer dentists Killer everywhere. Dentists. Yeah. <laughs> but I still, I stand by the fact that Dirty Cops was a really great subject for letter D. Of course. So I'm like, now we've got this opportunity to find some dentists. And you and know, this technically, we still haven't actually found the killer dentist I was looking for because what I wanted was a dentist that kills people in the chair. Like, right. Because I was thinking I have to go get dental work. What if, oh my God, it kills me in the chair. I go under. It's totally anxiety fueled. A hundred percent. But I wanted to know about people that like you put the mask on and you don't wake up, you know, right. and he's just like Dr. Death, you know? Yeah. Never found him, but I'm still looking. Yeah, we'll find it. That'll maybe be a bonus episode. When we eventually find it, we'll put it on Patreon. But tonight we've got a hitman with a side of dentistry. Side of dentist. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Glennon Engelman, who also, you know, Glenn for short, right? He was born on February 6, 1927 in Missouri. He had one sister and two brothers, and he was the youngest of four children. And I know I'm probably pretty judgy, but I think there's something about being the youngest that makes you a little bit bratty, a little bit spoiled. And we know that he kind of fit into that mold. You know, Um, he usually got what he wanted. His parents really bent to his needs especially in comparison to the other children. His father was a railroad clerk who used to be in the Air Force, so he also grew up in this really strict military home. A lot of boundaries, a lot of rules. wonder if his siblings didn't like him because he's getting away with more stuff in this strict military house. Might be kind of interesting dynamics. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like he was the one that could just do whatever he wanted. So, of course, I'm assuming he wasn't very popular with his siblings. I'd be pissed. Yeah, being the baby, being spoiled, getting away with whatever. Yeah. Definitely. So They were middle class with a pretty nice home, and the Engelmans made sure that their kids had a lot of opportunity to do well in life. Glenn did really well in school, and afterwards he wanted to go to college, but his parents encouraged him to enlist in the Army first because of his dad's background. Makes sense. After serving in the armed forces, he came home and he went to school on the GI Bill. In 1954, he graduated in dentistry from the University of Washington in St. Louis. Sorry, that should be Washington University. I don't know why I said University of Washington. You know what I mean. I didn't even notice. (laughs) So you're doing great. So Glenn set up a practice in a downtrodden St. Louis neighborhood. And he actually often worked on a sliding scale or even treated his poorest patients for free. Which is very surprising based on his other very selfish bratty behavior that he really wanted to give back to the community and give cheap or free dental care. I'm always really intrigued because that's just, oh, that's just so nice of him. You know, know. he doesn't have to do that, right? But also, P.S., he's a murderer. Also that. It doesn't add up. It really, it, it doesn't really make sense to so many other aspects of his personality that are selfish and narcissistic and self serving and really show that he doesn't care about other people, especially people with less than him. It's a little right? double lifey. Yes, very much so. Although Glenn was not very attractive, he was definitely a ladies' man. I think that's a great thing to point out. 
Yeah. I mean, it was just in every time that you read about him, it's like, well, he's not that good looking. But for some reason, I mean, he was crushing it. I mean, the entire success of his hitman career was completely based on sleeping with women. Yeah, you're right. Manipulating them, getting them to do what he wanted. It was all about that. This is another case of charisma. Right. Right. He could just win people over and get them to do whatever. And especially when it came to women, it didn't matter his looks. He just had like you call silver tongue. Je ne sais quoi. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Silver tongue can make you believe anything. And it really wasn't that he had a weakness for women because sometimes people call it that, right? Like a weakness or whatever. Yeah, I guess. Whatever. But (laughs) it wasn't that with him. He just liked to manipulate and use people. It just he got off on manipulation. Something to do. Yeah. And I had read one reference that he was also into S&M from one source, but I didn't really include any detail because I only saw it one time. So I don't know what kind of dynamic that creates really specifically or any details about it, but there's some possibility that that was an aspect to his relationships with women. Plot thickens. In the early 1950s, he married a student teacher named Edna Ruth Ball, but they split up only after three years. After their divorce, Glenn supported her financially and they continued to sleep together. Sounds like a wonderful situation. (laughs) I don't have to be married to this guy. He's going to support me and I can just sleep with him whenever. It makes me wonder why they even split up. Exactly. Like you're still sleeping together. You're still supporting her financially. I mean, was it a monogamy thing? Was it just like, well, he's sleeping with other women? I don't really know if he cheated. I'm assuming he did because of the stories about him. But that's got to be the only thing that was different is like now he's sleeping with other people. Otherwise, they're doing the same stuff they were when they were married. Maybe she wanted her own place. Right? (laughs) I don't know. She wanted to live like Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter or something. The greatest setup ever. That would be a dream, honestly. Come on. I love my own space and time. I do too. (laughs) So, of course, after they split up, Edna also expected free dental care as well. Of course. Of course. But that wasn't a big deal. I mean, he was already giving that to most people anyway. Why not give it to the woman he's sleeping with? That's true. Since Glenn was a ladies' man, he wasn't all that bothered that his marriage had ended. He just spent more time chasing women and doing his other hobbies. In his free time, Glenn enjoyed hunting. So much so that he was maybe a little bit too much into it. A lot of people took note of how much he enjoyed hunting. He's that guy. Yeah. He had all the best equipment to go on frequent, very frequent hunting trips. And he often brought home these really gruesome trophies that creeped other people out, but he was really proud of them. It seems to me like he really just enjoyed taking the lives of helpless, innocent victims so much that after a while, he wasn't content with just animals and he decided he wanted to turn his attention to humans. I wonder what he did in the army. Right. That he came back from the army and then now it's all about hunting. Yeah. And that's like, it's fine. You can be a hunter. Cabela's. Cool. Great. Yeah. I mean, you know, within reason. And then he goes from there to people. So, like, what were you doing in the army that 
you know, excited. It's just interesting to me. Right. I mean, he was very open about the fact that he enjoyed putting together a plan to hunt a human victim. He enjoyed the process of, okay, now I got to learn their routine. I got to figure out what's the best way to kill them, how to get rid of the body. That kind of process was really enjoyable to him. And it started with hunting animals. But you're right. There may have been an element of like, the hunting animals plus whatever he did in the army made him come up with this new idea of a career path. I don't know. I'm just wondering. No, it totally makes sense. It totally makes sense. And again, like I always bring up, that doesn't mean army plus hunting equals murder. No. By no means. But for Glenn, it was this perfect recipe for him where he's like, well, I could combine all these things that I love and become a hitman. Right? He should have been into yoga or something. <laughs> right. So by all accounts, he did really well as a dentist, but he was also greedy and he always wanted more money. So he decided to become a hitman who performed contract kills for spouses looking to collect insurance money. So this combined all of his favorite things. He was able to manipulate women. He inflicted pain on people. He did the planning and hunting like we talked about and also making money. This is all the stuff he enjoyed. So Glenn didn't sit back and wait for customers to come to him. Like most hitmen, this is something that makes him a little different, right? Instead, he decided he would be involved in every step of the process along the way. He would find these pretty women with maybe some financial issues or from meager means or whatnot and convince them that they would be happy and rich if they just pulled out a life insurance scam on some unsuspecting guy. He's like soliciting his services. Yeah. You do not hear about that often. No. Very few people just walk up to people, hey, you could kill your husband. Oh, okay. And I'll help you. Wait, what? I didn't know that was an option. Oh, this is an option? <laughs> I mean, it's just bizarre to me. And it and it works. It really worked. Like, he would bring these women in and manipulate them the way he would when he was just trying to sleep with them. But then after kind of getting some level of trust with them, start pitching this scam. Be convincing these women to go back to school, like do right. some good, not use your powers for evil. He could have made such a difference in the world, you know. Yes, I'm, he could have been <laughs> inspirational, right, to women in some regard. Like, apparently, girl, you need to get your education, baby girl. You're beautiful, beautiful. but I believe you could use your mind. You, you could so be the person that just cures cancer, you know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but no, instead, you're exquisite beauty. You're exquisite. Yeah. <laughs> instead, he was just like, let's. Get some money. Let's make this money. I'm going to kill whoever you pick to marry. So he was from the very beginning plotting everything from first meeting the woman and then recruiting them to do these insurance scams. He also reportedly taught them how to seduce men and perfect their sexual techniques so they could more easily manipulate men. He also taught these tactics to his ex-wife, Edna, and then sent her off to lure in a husband. Okay, so... First this customer. Is, this is him telling us this. This is not Edna going, 
he taught me sexual things that were so amazing and I can lure in people. No, this is him telling police later. I would teach them such amazing, I'm such a big man. Oh my God. You know, this is just braggadocious shit to me. It also sounded, yes, I agree, but kind of like he was putting down men or maybe that's just the way I read it, but they just like, as good. well, yes. men are just simple. You only need to do X, Y, and Z to manipulate them. Yes. Like if you give him head every day, he'll just listen to you. He will do whatever you want. And I think that's the kind of stuff that he was telling them. So it's not like he was really like blowing their minds and like, oh, sex is completely better and different because of me. It was more like, well, you can just use this to manipulate them because that's what they want from you or something, you know? Yeah. So I, that's the way I took it. But it is very braggy for him to give himself credit. Like, she wouldn't be able to lure in this guy without me. You know? I taught her that everything kind of she stuff. knows. Exactly. Shut it's up. bullshit. Whose yeah. mouth? It's her mouth. <laughs> right. Stop it. You didn't do that. Come Sorry, on. I'm screaming. <laughs> so in June 1958, Edna married a 27-year-old student and clerk for the Union Electric Company named James Stanley Bullock. So it's unclear if she actually maybe had some genuine feelings for him that faded away, or if she had plotted an insurance scam with Glenn all along. I really, I'm kind of 50-50 on that. I just don't know. I think it might be both, in a weird way. Yeah? Yeah. Like... She's already mentally enslaved to Glenn. Yeah. Right? I don't know because I just feel like this is this is his train and it's rolling along and she's just kind of along for the ride. But at the same time, like, you're getting experience now. <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel both ways about this. Yeah. It's just there's really not any information and you can only make your own conclusions about it. And I'm I'm kind of torn. Like, she may have just met this guy and really liked him. And then eventually either things went wrong or Glenn just convinced her out of nowhere just to do it, you know. But it may have been his first customer and he was involved in the process all along. We just don't know. But ultimately, after only a few months together, Edna and Glennon began planning her new husband James' murder in hopes of collecting his life insurance. So on December 17th, 1958, James was shot dead in front of the St. Louis Art Museum. And Edna collected $64,000 from James Bullock's life insurance, which would be $555,000 today. I mean, if they're in downtrodden St. Louis still, then yeah, I bet that's probably a score. That's huge. Yeah. That's crazy. It's just so much money. Police suspected that Edna's ex-husband, Glenn, may have had motive, but when they went to talk to him, he had an alibi. He was also, of course, really well-respected member of the community, and he was just this veteran giving dental care on a sliding scale to all these patients with financial issues. People loved him. So right away, the police were like, well, he's a good guy. He has an alibi. Let's turn our attention somewhere else. And they went looking at Edna, and she became the prime suspect. After James' murder, Edna was out on the town every single night, and she was just earning this reputation 
for going out to bars, being wild. And, you know, mind you, it's 1950s wild. It's not 2019 wild. This is reefer madness wild. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love, too, that, like, she's got a little cash and now she goes crazy. Yeah. She's just like, <laughs> she's well, I'm going to do what I want. Her life that she can now. right? Yeah. So detectives honed in on her, especially after seeing that she was partying so much and just having so much fun after her husband's death instead of being in mourning like most people would expect. She didn't play that very well. No. <laughs> Looking back. No. That's the thing. I mean, you guys both, you murdered this person. You can't just be out there every night celebrating. Fake a little grief. Like, I don't want to judge anyone for their grief process. I never want to do that. And I don't want to shame people for getting 1950s wild. However, like, if you're going to do this bad thing, you know that it looks bad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, I I mean, we're not judging it. We're just, this is, this is the fact. <laughs> you killed, like, you don't want to get caught. One and one is two. You pretend to be sad. I mean, come on. That's, so yeah. it's a little, you know, all right, Edna, you're not thinking clear here. Insurance scam 101. Just pretend to be scared. Like introduction. Just like what's what happened to my husband? I'm I'm grieving. Like all these myriad emotions that go on when you lose someone, she just displayed none of them. You know? I can understand drowning your sorrows at the bottom of a bottle. Yeah. But not like it was apparently jarring for her. Reefer madness. So once they started honing in on her, detectives were criticized harshly by the media for questioning what was supposed to be a grieving widow. So after getting all this backlash, they decided to just back off and the case went unsolved. And no one was ever charged with James Bullock's murder. So a few years passed and Glenn got remarried to a librarian named Edith Van Hest. He decided to start a new business and he wanted to open a drag racing track called Pacific Drag Strip. Super random choice, right? Like, yeah. Reading this, I mean, I mean, my family, Gilmore Racing raced at Saugus Speedway. Like, I get it, but you don't. You go to the track, you don't start a track. It's just funny to me. Right. But I guess it's got to start somewhere, so. I guess, but it seemed very random, which part of me believes, like, maybe he just had, like, a random, like, dental patient that was like, hey, you know, this is a lucrative thing to get into, or some sort of, it's got to come from somewhere, is what I was thinking. Maybe he likes racing, you know? Just I mean, a random interest. Who knows? Yeah. So he got the help of a business partner named Eric Frey, who, not so coincidentally, had recently married Glenn's ex-girlfriend, Sandra. Oh. So there you go. That's the connection, I think, is like, okay, I can start this business with this person who I can manipulate this woman, and now we've got a new business and a new insurance scam. Yep. Double whammy. On September 26, 1963, Eric was helping Glenn with construction at the site. Glenn hit Eric in the head with a rock and then threw him down a well. To make sure that there was no evidence that could be found, he also threw several sticks of lit dynamite down the well with Eric. After the explosion, the police investigation determined that there was no evidence of foul play so the death was actually ruled accidental. 
which is crazy to me. How is there no evidence of foul play here? Like, um, you found a body in a well with dynamite after a giant explosion. That doesn't make Stop sense. It. You're insulting my intelligence officers. But then there's this other part of me, like, is this just a, um, like, lost in translation old-timey thing where it's okay. like, maybe dynamite was so prevalent that it's just like, well, that's how we do construction. They're doing construction on the track. There's a well on the property anyway. We're going to blow this bitch up. We don't want any falling in it. And the guy that was blowing it up fell in it it's right. that simple case closed i think i cracked it <laughs> sounds right to me call me crazy eric's widow sandra aka glenn's ex-girlfriend collected the insurance money yeah this is where the track idea came from sorry definitely Just, like come on thinking back i'm like yeah this is this is totally he's a really smart person at uh exploiting people and you know all yeah. this he finds it and he just throws it and just it's crazy moving all the chess pieces getting all the people he's lined a, up. he is a scary person like he can make you see card mechanic kind of thing right like manipulation just see what he wants you to see i think this is one of the things that really interests me about true crime i think there's this perception that the scary thing is just this random like closing your bathroom mirror and seeing someone behind you yes that's terrifying scary. right <laughs> But the thing that scares me is people that are in these abusive relationships and you don't understand that there's this manipulation going on and then it escalates or this kind of thing where it's like, I've got all these chess pieces and I am somehow psychologically so intelligent that I can move all these people to just make someone disappear. You know, someone just blew up in a well and I psychologically put all that together. My ex-girlfriend did that. Now I'm getting money. That's terrifying to me, you know, to just have that kind of a manipulative mind and then murder someone. But he could have used all those skills for good. He could have done something with all this organizational skill or manipulation skill in a positive way. He could have been a motivational speaker, right? Could have been like a professor or something. I don't know. I'm a, I'm just thinking. I can't even think of what he, he could have done. probably could have been a cult leader. To oh, be yeah. Real. <laughs> for sure. For sure. That's kind of, yeah, he's like that good. So like showing that all this was lined up from the very beginning, after the death, she invested $16,000 of the twenty five grand from the life insurance into the drag strip, and she became Glenn's new business partner. So he had lined this up all the way from the beginning. You know, she's got this boyfriend, you know, who who knows if they were still sleeping together at that time. But you're my ex. Now you've got this new boyfriend. He's into drag racing. Let's start a business. I'll get rid of him. We'll both have money. Now we have this business together. Women are just pawns. Yeah. He just takes what he can from them and just crazy. Yeah. So he, of course, preferred working with her over Eric since he was able to manipulate her like most women. And it didn't really make much difference in the long run because within a year, the drag strip actually went bankrupt. Surprise, surprise. It wasn't long before he turned his attention to a new woman and a new job. Glenn married Ruth Jolly in 1967. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And they had a son named David. He found his next assignment in one of the employees at his dental practice. His dental assistant, Carmen Miranda, was much younger than Glenn, and he had known her for actually most of his life. She really respected his opinion, and she often came to him for advice. And so she had been approaching him complaining about a lot of her financial issues recently. And Glenn advised her that she marry someone, take out a life insurance policy on him, and then he agreed to kill her husband so that she could collect that. The one thing that's unclear to me about this particular relationship is it's very clear that Basically, he had known her since she was a child, and I don't know if they were sleeping together or if it was really a case of him being faithful to his wife and just taking a new job and just looking at it as a job. I don't know. I think he was probably, you know, it started as like the kid next door, little girl, and then, you know, like she grows up and now she's old enough I can have sex with her. I can put her out there and find somebody. And she's receptive. Yeah. And I honestly, the fact that she's so cool with this makes me think that he's been manipulating her a long time. This is normal to her. That makes sense. Yeah. Part of me is just like, well, it's within his character to just be that kind of creep, yeah. you know? And as soon as she's, you know, reasonably old enough, he just really takes advantage of her because he's been probably grooming her. Yeah. You know, if exactly. she was like his childhood dentist, she knew him forever. And then when she gets older, he's like, yeah, come work for me. Now I have more of a presence in your life. And now let's do this insurance scam together. Yeah. And her name is Carmen Miranda. Yeah. Which I kept thinking was a typo. Some No, her name was Carmen Miranda. It's just interesting to me. This is like on Bridezilla's, we have the character Shaka Khan, one word, one word name, Shaka right. Khan. And she was my favorite character, but this is funny. I don't know. Yeah. Well, which came first, right? <laughs> I like the name. 
So when he tried to talk her into this insurance scam, of course, he assured her that the scheme would work, specifically because he told her that he had done it before. And so the pair agreed that they would split the insurance money and go forward with the plan. So Carmen changed jobs so that there wasn't a connection between her and Glenn. But he continued to meet her to guide her through the insurance scam process. On October 31st, 1975, Miranda married a man named Peter Helm. With Glenn's guidance, Miranda took out an insurance policy and she put all of their property in her name. It's like the original Crow wedding. Yeah. Halloween. Right? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Shelly! <laughs> Together, Glenn and Miranda scouted several locations, and Miranda brought her husband Peter to the decided spots on actually two occasions. And they actually had to abort that plan twice because there were just these last-minute issues with the plan because too many people were around, pretty much. The third attempt took place in Pacific, Missouri on September 5th, 1976. Miranda lured Peter to the remote location at a quarry where many people did like target practice and they shot their guns out there. So it seemed like a good place where there could be some cover up, right? Some sort of accident. The quarry is where on the office, Creed Bratton, I live by the quarry. You should come over here and we'll throw stuff into it. Like, he mentions it periodically throughout the whole show. Living by the quarry. Right. Old creed. Like, when you hear the word quarry, you no know good. there's something creepy Up going on. Up to no good. Yeah. Why are you there? <laughs> you don't need rocks. Only to throw stuff in it. That's it. Right? Reminds me of the Flintstones. Yeah. And Garden State. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. So, as she was standing, talking with him... Glenn sniped her husband with a rifle, making it seem like it was an accident, like it was just target practice gone wrong. <laughs> Stray bullets. Right. So Miranda, of course, she screamed and she started freaking out. So Glenn rushed over to calm her down. And suddenly they heard someone's voice yelling. So he fled the scene and she stayed there with her husband. First responders arrived and they tried to save him, but he was pronounced dead a short time later at St. Francis Hospital in Washington, Missouri. After an autopsy, it was determined that Helm had died of a single gunshot wound in the back. And again, the death was ruled an accident. After Peter's death, Miranda collected about $75,000 in insurance. And that would be about three hundred and fourteen grand today. So that's ten thousand more than Edna got, but it's two hundred thousand less now. I'm just doing a little math here. <laughs> I can do it. When the insurance money came through, Miranda paid Glenn ten k, so forty two grand today. So now, for his no, help. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so that's a let's put this on it's a like little, percents. Wait, yeah, one percent. So that's one out of a hundred? That's not a lot. In 1977, a woman named Barbara Boyle hired Glenn to help her get rid of her husband and her in-laws so that she could inherit their oil fortune. 
Glenn took out the in-laws first so that their son, Barbara's husband, could first inherit the fortune and then it would be passed on to her. This is genius manipulation planning. This is just, it's so much. It's escalating. It's another thing where it's like, you know, uh, a lot of these killers that have this kind of thirst for hunting and violence and whatnot that he really likes and he really enjoys, this is just upping the whole game to him of now I've taken out a couple people, I've practiced a couple times, now let's do three people within one family. All these other times, well, not every single time, but there's been, you know, a couple of them that were ruled accidents, but there's no way to say that it's an accident when three people are murdered, you know? So he's challenging himself. He's like, oh, I believe that I can just get this done and everybody will think it was a robbery gone wrong or an accident. And that's just, I don't know, like just the ultimate in narcissism or or ego or whatnot. Just to even, I mean, the fuck? It blows my mind. And also like, I look at it this way. Three members of the same family are, you know, take even if it's like they all die in their bed asleep, it's like something's wrong, they got black mold. Right. Something, right? It's it's a group. There's something is up. This doesn't happen. If it does happen, it does. You know, people lose a lot of people back to back. But no, no, not like this. Oil fortune family, mm-mm, you've been murdered. Right. Someone's coming for you. Yeah. He's just taking bigger and bigger jobs, bigger challenges. The fact that there's so much more money, the fact that it's more people, it's just, you know, total It's all about the money, too. It's all about the money when it comes down to it. It's not like bloodthirst, like some people, they just kill to kill. He is doing this for the money. Yeah, but it's also, I think, not as, I don't know if bloodthirst is a thing, but like he really enjoys the manipulation and the planning and the violence and yeah. So there is something there. It's twofold, you know? He loves the process, but it's like the whole, I, I think most of this is, you know, get, get the money for it's it. It's a means to an end. And he doesn't even need it. He's, he's got a good job and this and that, but You're again. right. I think it's a lower value on human life. Yes. It's not necessarily straight up bloodthirst, but it's like, well, I can hunt them like animals and it doesn't seem any different to them. Yeah. Human life doesn't really matter. So, yeah, why not? I guess. So he traveled to Edwardsville, Illinois with an accomplice, and he knocked on the in-law's front door. He told the father-in-law, Arthur Guswell, that he was a representative from the farmer's union, and he said he just needed to talk to him. So, of course, Arthur invited Glenn into their home, and within a minute of being inside, he pulled out a pistol and shot him. Then he bludgeoned his wife, Vernita, to death. That's the other thing that makes me feel like this isn't just money because he could have just shot Vernita quickly. You know what I mean? I think there has to be a bloodthirst element to it. But this tells me, this is why I love us, because we can just like, hey, wait, this is what I think. You think, <laughs> oh, I don't know what you think. We, so, we always seem to fall on like these opposite sides of I the know. coin. But usually one of us ends up con- convincing the other to come to the middle. I know, right? <laughs> Not all hey, the way, but just to the middle. <laughs> um, so the fact that he kills these people so violently that it's like you've been shot, not an accidental shooting. You've been bludgeoned to death. I didn't fall and hit my head. Right. This is another reason why there's something suspicious here. These are violent deaths in an oil fortune family. 
he's not making a good decision. This is a bad way to do this. It's about money. He's blinded by the fact that they're fortune family. Yeah. He can inherit. This is the ultimate scam. This is the one. I can retire after this, you know? <laughs> Go out of business. Like, I just, I don't know. Like, the violent aspect of this. The, and I know he likes to hunt and all that, but he would have stalked him. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just feel like it makes him look more guilty. It makes it, the detectives are going to say, we need to look at something with this whole family. Yes, absolutely. More than they would have if he had just poisoned them. Right. Again, that, never mind. You know what I'm saying. No, I get it. I mean, I think that, yeah, he wants to take this bigger job, get more money, but he's also choosing to do it in a way that, you know, is pretty brutal, especially when he has a gun in his hand. He didn't have to bludgeon the second person. No. And that to me speaks volumes about like he wants the violence. So and I do think he's highly motivated by money. But I mean, he's still giving his dental care away for f- cheap or free. Well, and- he can because he's. Taking everybody else's right. money on the side. He's so he can't be a extra, good guy yeah. in public and all that. This is his side hustle, apparently. This guy's deep. <laughs> when the first responders arrived, they found that Arthur was miraculously still alive. But he actually succumbed to his injuries at the hospital later that evening. And they weren't really able to get much information out of him. It seemed like a completely random act of violence since friends and family insisted that nobody would have had any motive to hurt the Guswells. Detectives just had no idea who could have committed the murders and the investigation hit a dead end. Barbara, at this point, began taking out multiple life insurance policies on her husband, Ronald, and actually forged his name on a lot of the paperwork. She also convinced her husband to amend his will to make her the sole beneficiary. So 17 months after Arthur and Vernita's murders, Glenn planned to get rid of Barbara's husband, Ronald. As Ronald arrived home one night, he opened up the garage door to find Glenn pointing a gun at him. And Ronald looked at his wife, but before they could exchange any words, Glenn shot him. He was still alive, so Glenn again bludgeoned him with a sledgehammer. Oh. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, like I said, I agree it's totally about money, but it also really is about the violence for him. It's both. We're both right. We are totally both right. We're in the middle. (laughs) Also... Attention, everyone. If somebody says to you, we need to amend your will and make me the sole beneficiary, I need you to step back. You can give me a call. I'll talk you out of this. Right. Something's up. And I'm not saying they're going to kill you, but somebody near them is going to kill you. There's a reason for this. Yeah, I don't trust anyone that wants to talk to me about my will at all. over you. Like, (laughs) none of it. Yeah, unless you're just so elderly that you need to have certain plans in place, you know? If your kids are like, I need power of attorney for your medical care. But if my my partner, my significant other is like, yo, I know you're a healthy 40-year-old man, but maybe we should think about your will. You never know what's going to happen. Then they know what's going to happen. You don't know, but they know. And that's why they need you to change your will. Period. 
like little guns in the air. You know, you're nailing this one. Like, holy crap, man. But I appreciate that you said attention, everyone, before your announcement. Yeah, no, listen, everyone. Because <laughs> this is here. our murder dictionary PSA. Come here. Everybody Don't change your will if someone asks you. For this episode, that's the PSA. We'll have another one. We need to have like Jerry Springer's little wrap up at the end, you know, the final thought. Yeah, the final thought. We need to have that for every episode. Like what we've learned today is don't change your will if someone asks you yeah. or definitely get rid of them because they're going to murder you. We had an episode a while back. I think it was more dictionary. Could have been crime screen where I signed off. Take care of yourself and each other. <laughs> yes. I remember do remember that? that, but I don't remember which one. Me neither. Let me know. I can't remember. <laughs> Springer fans over Springer here. Springer fans. <laughs> so after the killing, the body was put into Glenn's car and Barbara cleaned up the evidence. To throw suspicion away from herself, Barbara called his work a short while later that night and asked if he was there. Because she wanted to establish a story that he hadn't come home, right? Then a few hours later, she calls the hospitals in the area. And then only the following day did she contact the police in the morning and say, my husband never came home yesterday. So this is definitely learning from the previous issues that they had, where it's like, let's establish a story. Let's play up the grieving widow thing. My husband's missing. He definitely coached her on that, learning from what happened before. This is the old-timey voicemail. Hey, babe, I'm just seeing where you are. I haven't heard from you. And then they find her phone in her lake. Yeah. Or in his pocket, she's in the lake. <laughs> well, this is, what's her name from Dear Zachary, driving to his house to kill him and leaving all these voicemails and driving back and leaving voicemails to establish that she's at home. My hand's in the air. Um, this is Shirley Turner. Shirley. Shirley Turner. Crazy fucking Shirley Turner from Dear Zachary. Yeah. I knew it was oh. an S. It was on the tip of my tongue. Oh my God, you're right. So that's what this is, is learning like I have to st establish a story from the jump. So immediately, let's say he just didn't come from home from work. Let's make sure the work is involved. The coworkers know me. Let's, yeah, you're right. You're doing check, check marks in the, checks air. in the air. Check, right. check. So that everybody knows that I'm doing what I can to find my husband and he never came home. So then also this establishes that you shouldn't look at the home as a crime scene. Right? Yep. No forensics to be taken. So yeah, there's just... A lot that he's doing by via her, by proxy, just to make sure that they don't look at them. Yeah. So with the help of this accomplice, Glenn put Ron's body in the backseat of his car and then parked it at a seedy motel. He took Ron's wallet and jewelry, then put condoms in Ron's pocket to make it look like he had basically been robbed by a sex worker. So Ron's body was found three days later, but there was no evidence that led to any possible suspects. So the case went cold. So it really, with everything that they set up with him not coming home and then the way he was found, there was only the assumption that it had to be a transaction with a sex worker gone wrong. And they just let it go. Every one of these is going unsolved. It's just maddening. They're all accident, accident, unsolved, just dead ends. 
What's up with the St. Louis PD at this point? Right? What's going on here? Dude, you guys are slipping. I got questions. Definitely. We don't like it when Courtney has questions. Never. The Courtney inquiry is coming, St. Louis. So coming down the pike. <laughs> A few months later, Barbara Boyle received $340,000 in life insurance, plus another two hundred fifty dollars from Ron's will. That's so much money. So much. So Barbara paid Glenn fifty k for his part in the murder, which would be two hundred and ten grand today. In nineteen eighty, Glenn turned his sights to another victim that was actually a bit closer to him. A woman named Sophie Marie Barrera owned a local dental laboratory, and she had done some work for him, but he was not paying her for that work. She threatened to take him to court so that she could collect 14 grand that he owed her, and that would be about 45k today. So, I mean, they worked together a lot. That's a good chunk of money. That's a lot of money to owe somebody. Yeah. In January 1980, only a week before the lawsuit was supposed to be finalized in court, Glenn planted a car bomb in her vehicle and killed Sophie Marie Barrera to get out of his debt. I saw, um, maybe it was Dateline, one of these, about Glennon. And um, they said that he could see the smoke from his dental office out the window. Yeah. From the explosion. And like in the in the show, he's like, Working on someone's teeth with a pig, just looking out the window like, he, 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 he. But it might have been that that close to the right. truth. And it really might have been something that he enjoyed seeing. Like, Oh, I, I'm sure of it. I mean, he was close enough to where, you know, her office was pretty nearby him. And yeah, he Loved could just it. see it out his window. Yeah. Pieces of the car and Sophie's body were found for a full two-mile radius. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, It's just so fucked up. In the previous two years, there had been 21 car bombings in St. Louis. So investigators theorized that it was actually a mob hit. Why are there so many car bombings there that year? I know. What the hell? Yeah. So apparently this was just a really crazy time in mob history in their city. And it just really blended in with what else was going on with the mob violence take advantage of it yeah and honestly again it's like obviously i don't like this guy but it really speaks to his intelligence of like hey what method could i use to get away with this because if he used the other methods of shooting her or bludgeoning her all these other more personal things more targeted things it would just seem like, yeah, we've got to look at the outstanding debts. Let, let's look at the guy who's got a lawsuit with her. But because of the car bomb, it's like, well, it was just a mob hit. That's only mobsters do that. I'm sure the police were just drawing those conclusions. Like Bonnie and Clyde, I guess. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm yeah. still, yeah, I'm still thinking it's like 1950s wild, though. But like, yeah, what a wi- wild scene. Yeah, that's really recent, you know, 1980, and there's these car bombings going on. That's just... 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's very scary. Glenn actually did come up as a suspect because of his outstanding debt and, of course, the pending lawsuit. But he had an alibi. Like we said, like you said, he saw it out the window. He was in his office at the time it went off. And so he said, hey, she's got this disgruntled employee. You may want to look at that person because I know that she's got some problems with her workers. Apparently, from what I understand, her husband owned the, the business before and then left the business to her and then she didn't get along with some people. So he was like, yeah, it's got to be the people that are now working for her that used to work for her husband. Wow. Yeah. He had he had all the stories lined up. Again, he just knows how to manipulate it. I'd love to see his clipboard. Right? <laughs> Lots of notes. On January 16th, 1980, Glenn's wife, Ruth, began cooperating with law enforcement to provide information about all of her husband's illegal activities. They were separated at this point, and they were fighting over custody. So what was happening was she was starting to worry that Glenn might come after her, just like she had seen him do to so many others. She thought that it would be best to get him off the streets and ensure the safety of herself and her child. But of course, to me, that brings up the issue of like, well, she was fine with it when she was married to him and she could benefit from all the money that he was getting from murdering. But as soon as she was in danger, then it wasn't okay. Yeah, absolutely. What do you mean? I I'm confused at why you're confused. That's just so upsetting What? to me. What do you mean? I'm I'm confused. Um, yeah, she has his child. She needs to support that kid and herself. And she knows everything. She'll, I mean, yeah, this is. Yeah, it's just. I'm sorry. I'm. Of course. Unclear. I don't want. <laughs> how clear we are. <laughs> I don't want anything bad to happen to her, of course. But it's just so upsetting to me that she knew about these murders for so long and then just stood by benefiting from his money. 
until it came to like, oh, well, maybe he could turn this on me. That's so unbelievable that people could have lived. Like there could have been lives saved if she came forward and said, hey, my husband did this. You have to stop him. But instead, she waits for who knows how long after she knew. This is the exact example of the shoe is on the other foot. Right. I mean, yeah. come on. And I mean, not like she's, we don't know. Maybe she's buying jewelry. Maybe she's going to food for less. Who knows? But either way, she's upset that she can't spend what she wants to. And, you know, supporting her kid. I don't see him as someone who would just leave her with nothing, especially when she has this kid. You know, and they're separated. They were together a long time. Like, I don't know. It doesn't seem that way. We don't know. But yeah, he fi- he financially supported other women after the relationship ended. He was supporting his ex-wife. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. her finances weren't at jeopardy, really. I think this is pretty clear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not confused. It's just disappointing when you're like, oh, you, you were know? rooting for her? No, no, no. Like just disappointing checking. in humanity that someone would just oh, not value someone else's life. That's what I mean. Sure. It's like this bitch, you know, like that's unbelievable. You still believe in like the good in people. <laughs> it's adorable. Just barely. Trust me. Yeah, I know. It's hanging on there. by a thread. <laughs> we're there. So at first, police didn't believe her story that this straight laced dentist was moonlighting as a hitman. And had gotten away with multiple murders already. They just didn't believe her. To hear that like interview, you know? Right? Like, okay, sure, lady. (laughs) Well, I just saw Dr. Engelman. What do you mean? I just had a filling like two weeks ago, you know? I mean, like, who knows? Yeah. Well, we just don't believe women, period. It's like, well, she's hysterical. They probably thought she was making up a story because of custody or something or because they were separated she was trying to throw some sort of negativity his way right why would you ever believe a hysterical woman right like i mean i just assume that that's what was at play in this interview so of course she knew that she was telling the truth so she was like just let me wear a wire like i'll record him he'll tell me and she was just aiming to corroborate all of her claims you know So on Valentine's Day, she got mic'd up and asked him about his crimes so that the police could hear the conversation with her husband and hear it straight out of his mouth. During these recorded conversations, Glenn acknowledged his part in coaching his former employee, Carmen Miranda, and committing the murder so that they could collect the insurance money. So... Glennon Engelman was charged with murder for the first time on February 24th, 1980, for specifically the sniping death of Peter Helm, his former employee, Carmen Miranda's husband. During the trial, the prosecution played the recordings made by his ex-wife, Ruth, which was pretty hard for the defense to recover from. There was not much coming back after you heard it coming out of his mouth. It was also extremely damaging that the victim's wife, Carmen, flipped and testified against him. My guess is she kind of got away from him for a little while, got out from under his wing, probably had to deal with the fact that she's got crazy PTSD (laughs) from watching him get sniped. She was freaked out. Yeah, she definitely had a really hard time with it. Didn't realize the gravity of what she was doing until the moment it happened. Which really, you know, it 
there was a lot of manipulation going on there. She was she got some miles between. She got some time where she could think and probably was, okay. this is the right thing to do. Yeah. So he was found guilty and sentenced to 50 years. A short while later, Glenn was accused of murdering the lab owner, Sophie Marie Barrera, by her son, Frederick. After a brief trial, Glenn was also found guilty in the car bomb murder of Sophie and then sentenced to life in prison. While serving this time, information started to come out about the murders of Arthur, Vernita, and Ronald Guswell, the oil fortune murders. An informant came forward to tell police about how Glenn had been sleeping with the wife, Barbara Boyle. And it was even before she married Ron that they had been an item. So immediately police turned their attention to Glenn. And of course, after investigating, it turned out Glenn had encouraged Barbara to go after Ron because of his family fortune. Surprise, surprise. He was there all along. <laughs> he is down with the long con. True. A lot of time it's like short con here and there. You know, we've always got something going on. Something's going on. Something's going on. One of my favorite quotes of all time is Courtney saying, we're going to plant these seeds and then we're going to fuck them. <laughs> yeah, we're going to exploit it. You're going to plant a bunch of seeds because you don't know which is going to grow. And, and then, then you got to fuck those grows, seeds. You fuck the plant. Then you got to life insurance scam those seeds. Yeah, life insurance scam them <laughs> next. Absolutely. And there's a movie that says very similarly, but it's funny because it's like, it is, there's nothing truer than that. Yeah. If there's nothing, if nothing I can leave you with, it's they're fucking the plants that the seeds that they're sowing. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, he's definitely just long con. He's long like, I con. know that this seed is going to turn into something. So even when, you know, you've got this patient that's really young, then you know her as a teenager, like you're already doing all the manipulation. So you're like, maybe this will just turn out right. But if you plant a hundred seeds, one of them's going to turn into a life insurance scam. Yeah. And so that's why he's just always got multiple irons in the fire. That's it's just I don't even have the energy or time. I don't even have the memory to really keep all these things straight. Right. It's always interesting to me because it's also like, you know, the guys that are scamming multiple, multiple women, like the dating guys that, you know, even like Dine and Dash kind of thing. Where right. Do you like find the time for this love after lockup. Like love it. Michael with. <laughs> yeah. OK. Two women. Right. Yep, I'm on it. <laughs> if you're not I don't watching, have, you should. I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. Two stories, two people. Like, I just don't have it in me. But these that people do it every day. And he was one of those people just like, yeah, I've got my wife. I've got women on the side. And I've got people that maybe in the future these seeds will grow into money, you know? Money tree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, of course, everyone knew Glenn had encouraged Barbara to go after him from the jump. So Barbara pursued Ron until she was able to marry into the family and get closer to inheriting their money. So after learning from his previous trials, Glenn decided that he couldn't fight this case. Once it was established that they had a relationship before and that he had already been proven guilty of these multiple murders before this, he knew he had to take a plea. 
So he decided to take this plea deal for committing the three murders of the entire Guswell family. As part of a plea deal, Glenn gave information about Barbara's part in orchestrating the murders and collecting the life insurance money. She was acquitted of killing her husband's parents, Arthur and Vernita. However, she was convicted in her husband's murder, and she was sentenced to 50 years. She ended up serving about only half of her time, and she was released from Dwight Correctional Facility on October 10th, 2009. Once Glenn was evaluated and treated by psychologists, it was found that he was actually a sociopath. He admitted that he felt like his biggest talent was the ability to kill without remorse. Sounds like it. Yeah, I mean, he really just had no attachment to people. He didn't care about the loss of human life, period. Glenn specifically said that he enjoyed getting paid to carry out murders. He also admitted that he enjoyed the planning and the hunting of the victims. In early 1999, Glenn was moved to the infirmary of the Jefferson City Correctional Center. And on March 3rd, 1999, Glenn and Engelman passed away at the age of 71, from complications of his diabetes. And that's our dentist hitman, Glennon Engelman. He says, you know, his biggest talent is to kill without remorse. What happened in the army when you were young at that age where, you know, you're going to go one way or the other? And you choose to be a murderer. Like, you like to kill. This is it. Where did you find out that? Where did you learn that this skill? Where did you get this need, this want to hunt, to stalk, prey? I'm sure he hunted previously. He's an army. He's from a military family. Probably guns around. This is also old-timey. So, there are guns everywhere. But... A lot of people go to the army and, you know, the military. And they turn out fine. And aren't murderers. Right. At all. So what happened to him? I want to know. And I think, you know, I always look back like, was there something in the childhood? Then once the army came along, he was more susceptible to a certain thing. Then, like you said, maybe he had a certain job that made him like, oh, I really like killing people. You know, like maybe his role within this organization was like, yeah, I just, this is my stuff. Maybe. I'm a murderer. That's my thing. But yeah, I I don't know. This is a crazy one. Yeah, it's a dentist. And it's a hitman. It wasn't until we started talking about it how like ridiculous I realized this was. Because, you know, we watched it, read it, all of this. But talking with you, this guy's nuts. It's just one of those stories that blows my mind like over and over again throughout going through all the details it's like the accidental deaths are the ones that really get me yes when you see this one guy is always around when people die just i mean i guess of course if you don't have everything computerized you can't just type in a name and see that his name has come up on multiple investigations but you've got to think he's familiar Like the detectives are like, oh, yeah, I've seen this guy. We interviewed him when that guy fell down a well. Now we're interviewing him again. You know, I would think that it would come up, that it would point to him faster. 
or that they wouldn't be ruled accidents. It makes me question St. Louis again, too, because somebody who's traveling the country can get away with this, especially during the time. But this is one town. This is one town. And he never left. Yeah. He was the dentist. Everybody knew, too. It's very strange. Yeah. And one of the things that we talk about about old-timey murders is you can commit a crime and then just leave and pick up and start a completely new life. Nobody knows you. But he stayed. You're right. Like, that's incredible. It's like, what are you doing? Everybody knows you in St. Louis. The people he went to school with are the people in the neighborhood. I mean... Yeah, it's not a big like it's urban, but it's not a big town, a big city at this point. I mean, it's a for the time. It's one of the bigger cities, but still. Right. I mean, what? you've got to assume that he went into the police station to give a statement and someone there was like, oh, that's so and so. He's dentist. my dentist. You know, yeah. you've got to assume someone's like, oh, I know his wife. I know my kids go to school with this kid or whatever it is. It's, you know, Yeah. It's incredible to me that nobody was like, hey, that guy, we got to look into him. Yeah. You know? But again, it's like, it's all about appearances so much of the time. He's giving free dental care. People see him around the neighborhood. They know that he's the dentist. They look at him and he's like, he served in the armed forces. But he's unattractive. (laughs) Just so you know, I had to point that out and tell you how unattractive (laughs) But also I think that works in his favor. Totally works in his favor. Just very basic, just like, okay, you're just look like every other guy. You're going to get lost into the crowd. Yeah. So, man, hit men. We're done. Fuck them. <laughs> They're all just so cold. Ice cold. Yeah. They have no no remorse, obviously, but like the ballsiness of, you know, the chutzpah of it all. Wow. Yeah, definitely there's a theme of just no attachment to human life. No really value on humanity and like actually taking someone's life. And yeah, greed, self-centeredness, just not caring, you know? But again, like at some point they've done so many murders and they decide they can take that one step to go and murder three people or do it so publicly with a car bomb. And then, of course, they get caught. He probably could have not killed the three and done the car bomb and still been fine. You know, it's just like, whoa. Yeah. He just pushed it too far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. But so many people, again, like I said, just so many people had to die, especially with, I'm assuming all his wives knew this was going on. Yeah. And then it's like, there's another element of, yes, I'm upset that, that the wife and any of his significant others didn't come forward, but also he's, like we said, a master manipulator and probably just very emotionally abusive, if not more than that. Like they're victims too. Yeah. So I'm sure sure that they were just backed into a corner where it's like, I'm, I'm not safe to come forward, you know, but just, I really deeply wish that at some point one of them had felt like they could have just said, Hey, Glenn is a murderer. You know, Hey, St. Louis cops, your dentist killed someone. Yeah. Please get him off the streets because they obviously knew he was obviously talking to his wives and partners that, you know, they could have really saved some lives. It's a shame. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's our very last hitman for letter H in our murder dictionary. So we're going to move on to letter I next week. Sounds good. Oh, man. So before we get out of here, just a reminder that if you want to join our Patreon, we have a new Patreon episode up. So definitely we want to also say thank you to our new patrons, Jessica, Aaron, Rachel, Elliot, Robin, Brenda, Jamie, and Heather. Thank you again. So thanks, you guys. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much for your support. And everyone that listens or tells their family and friends about our podcast, it really, really means a lot. Really appreciate it. And then lastly, again, our editor, if you need some editing or any sort of audio help, definitely check out Dimitri at mypodcasthero.com. Cool? Cool. And then next week, we'll be back with letter I in our murder dictionary. Cool? Cool. So take care of Take care of yourself. Spay and neuter your pets. And each other. (laughs) (laughs) Final thought. Bye. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.